What is the state of learning experience design? What should a person coming into this field be thinking about? Today on the podcast, we're doing something a little different. When we spoke back in the summer, Wei Zhu was a student in the instructional design program at the University of Texas in Austin. And for this episode, we flip things around. So she is asking the questions and I'm doing my best to answer them. The reality is that this this field has always been a tricky field to start in and COVID has really only complicated things. In our conversation, we ask some terrific questions and we explore some of the obstacles and opportunities that people have. I'm Jason Gorman and this is An Imperfect Map. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Wei Zhu. Wei Zhu, it's... Hi, I'm so glad that you're able to come on to the podcast today. I mm-hmm. um, really appreciate it. I'm going to just turn it over to you at this point. It is your your podcast conversation to lead. Okay, thank you, Jason. Um, and so I'll start with my background. Um, right now, I'm a master's student um, at, the Univer- at the University of Texas at Austin, and I'm studying in learning technologies. And before that, I was undergrad student in educational technology. So I learned a lot about instructional design series and psychology and education series. Um, and in my last year, I did a couple coursework, f- like designing e-learning courses using different kind of software, like Articulate and designing e- programs on Canvas. Um, so I'm starting my career as a learning experience designer. So um, I want to, I'm kind of just curious, how is it like to be a learning experience designer in a real life? Uh, what are the responsibilities? Um, yeah, so thank you for inviting me to your podcast, and yeah. and I would like to know about your background first. Could you tell me a little bit about yourself? Sure, yeah. I, um, I came into this uh, career a little bit um, accidentally. I had a, f- a friend who um, got a job as an instructional designer. He was uh, working for a, a company that was a service company. They worked for all kinds of different organizations. And he um, he created some really, really interesting things. Um, it was all corporate learning and development um, through this company. And I I was just really interested. I'd never seen anything like that. So it got me, it got me fascinated with the work. And I had some um, some contract jobs that I took doing some technical writing and some other things. And I did a little teaching, but I did go and get a degree in instructional design from University of Massachusetts, Boston. Mm. Um, and then from there, I worked in higher ed for about about a decade um, in a couple different um, institutions, Boston University, Simmons University, Simmons College then, but Simmons University now, and, uh, and Harvard. And, um, and then from there, I went to a company called Six Red Marbles, uh, which is a service company. They work with all kinds of um, organizations from K-12 to higher ed to um, corporations and so forth, oh, lots of publishers as well. And I built their learning experience design uh, team. And, uh, and then I spent a little bit of time working for um, an international uh, company that was a K-12 focused uh, company, but we were developing um, 
STEM education mm-hmm. for uh, for students around the world, kind of eighth eighth grade, eighth through twelfth grade. And then I started Jackrabbit about two years ago. Um, so that's that is my my experience in a nutshell. I've worked in lots of different uh, with lots of different types of organizations doing lots of different types of work. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, so, um, you know, I've uh, for some of the many of my courseworks I build or e-learning courses. We usually build e-learning courses on our own. We don't usually have a team. We have to start from analyzed audience and design the course and develop it on the software. Um, we, we don't even implement it or evaluate it. But so what are the key responsibilities as a learning experience designer at in real life or at Jackrabbit? Sure. So I should probably start by saying that every every uh, organization has their own way, I think, of thinking about what this work is and how it's performed and what the job of a designer is. I think, uh, I think it's a little bit of a challenge, actually, um, for people who are in our industry because um, we call ourselves one thing, but just because I say that I'm a, a learning experience designer doesn't necessarily mean that the thing that I do in the job that I have now is exactly what's going to be needed in the next job. There's a lot of, um, I would say, maybe even disagreement or just lack of understanding or lack of certainly lack of consistency across what what people do in the industry. Um, I can talk about what what uh, what we do at Jackrabbit and what a designer mm-hmm. does at Jackrabbit specifically. Um, I think it's, and then maybe talk about how I think what what we do might be a little bit different than what's mm-hmm. done in, in other places. So Jackrabbit is a service company, which means that we work we work for clients, and um, those clients differ greatly. So we might just in the past in the past year we've done really varied work. Uh, we work with an organization that does a lot of work in cybersecurity. We work with another organization that that actually uh, teaches pre, uh, pre-K teachers. These are these are very young children. It teaches teachers of very young children. Mm-hmm. Um, we've worked with, uh, with startups and we've worked with universities. So we, we work with lots of different clients. And um, that, that just means that the way that, that we work, the way that we approach our work has to be, um, has to accommodate a lot of diversity in, in what we do. So uh, we have a process uh, that you know we we define as kind of five stages, and designers work in each of the five of these five stages. So those stages are um, discover, uh, which is generally the background research, and I think it it correlates to analysis. It's kind of analyzing um, what's what's needed, and then we have uh, clarify. Clarify is very much about taking all the things that you learn in through your, through discovery, through analysis, and making it usable, um, creating a usable design tool out of, um, or set of design tools out of what you've learned in discovery. And then we have, uh, then we have prototype, which of course there's a lot of design, um, there's a lot of designing and prototyping, there's a lot of research and prototyping. Um, and then there is a playbook and playbook is very much around saying, all right, so we've created a prototype. We agree on what that is. Uh, now we need to kind of uh, just say, all right, 
how do we do this many times? The playbook is, then defines all of our practices to create a quality product that we're creating for a client. And then there's scale, mm -hmm. which is, all right, how do we now create 20 modules or 30 modules um, quickly and at the same level of quality that, that we created the prototype um, and with uh, consistency across, across all of it. So those are the five mm -hmm. stages. And they go really from the very early stuff is very much about, about consulting and understanding and providing context and clarity and asking questions. And at the other end, it's very much about um, a high degree of output. And it's a real mixture of development and design. Mm -hmm. So a designer on our team um, will be doing something within those five stages. Sometimes mm -hmm. our work starts at the ver very beginning of, the, you know, in the very first stage with discovery. And then we go, you know, all the way through scale. Or sometimes we actually can start at another part of that process. So, for instance, if somebody comes to us and they say, uh, you know, we, we really know exactly what it is that we we want to do but we really need to kind of um, just test our concepts um, then we can say okay we might have a very quick discovery phase just to understand what we need to do but we might really mm -hmm. spend most of our time prototyping and testing something for a or for a client um, so a designer uh, very often um, will will start in discovery will do that discovery work and that that's really about understanding um understanding the needs of an organization uh understanding what the learner you know needs to do it's it's doing a lot of the things that i would imagine you've been you've been doing uh in your studies in terms of understanding what's important uh in a situation and then after some amount of discovery, they will, they will go into creating, uh, creating something. Um, so it, it's, really, it's really heavily dependent on the need of the client in our case. But in every case, it, you know, it will be within those, within those five stages. And it'll start at one point, and then it will proceed down um, the line for as long as the client needs it to. Um, sometimes we get to scope, but not always. It's not, sorry, that's not, not scope. Um, uh, scale. Scale. So um, among this process, the scale is the last step. Yeah. Okay. Mm, I see. So when you're saying like phototype, do you mean like creating an e-learning or like a demo for them? Well, I would say it's, yeah, I mean, it, it, that's interesting. Um, it's not so much, I guess I would think of a demo as something that we would create kind of on our own and then show, um, but it's a little bit different than that because it's something that we would create hand in hand with our client mm -hmm. where we would, it's kind of an exploratory thing where we say, all right, let's, let's create a version of what we want to do. Um, mm -hmm. Let's do our, our best um, to take all the things that we think are, are important uh, to the success of this thing that you want to build, whatever it is, mm -hmm. and let's create a small, a small part of it. And um, sometimes we will sketch it out and it will be pretty rough and the prototype will be kind of just an idea or it'll be a, kind of a paper prototype and we can mm -hmm. just test 
test it out that way, or we can actually develop it at the same level of fidelity that they would want in a final product, and we test that. Um, so the you know the prototype is very much about taking our ideas and really um, making something real out of them. So then mm -hmm. everybody, all the stakeholders, both on our side and the client side, can. Um, see the same thing, ask questions about it, get clarification, test it out with potential learners, get feedback on those things. Um, mm -hmm. It gets us out of a space where we're not talking about what the thing could be. We're not just describing it in a, you know, in a mm. Word document, but we've actually created something and people can point to a feature or an aspect and say, I do like this or I don't like this and here's why. Okay. Um, I find that that's really really important because otherwise um, people can think through a description that that they understand what something will be. And then once it's created, it's different than their expectations. And that can right. be uh, um, uh, a big costly experience uh, it, yeah. when that happens. Yeah. Um, so if I understand right, because when I'm creating like e-learning courses, the first step for me and for many other learning experience design, it kind of like creating a storyboard. Mm -hmm. So is phototype also kind of like a storyboard that you can show other people like my ideas, um, just presenting your ideas? So I would say actually, I mean, a storyboard is certainly something that you could use when you're creating a prototype. The storyboard is kind of the, it's an important, it's important work, right? In the preparation of creating something. It's a, it's a place to kind of organize your design to, um, to describe what you want to do in creation. I would say in a prototyping phase, what you'd want to do is um, if you do want to create something that's really polished, you may still storyboard uh, to create a, a much more sophisticated prototype if you say you, you had a whole series of interactivities or if you had video or you know you had mm -hmm. assets that that really needed to be storyboard storyboarded you would storyboard them and then you would um then you would create the thing you wanted to create but the prototype itself would look like a course or it would look oh. like it would look like it would look like some either a very rough version or a very polished okay. version of the actual thing you're building. Whereas mm -hmm. the storyboard is part of your process that's that the learner never sees. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. The prototype is something that you actually want to get in front of the learner to get okay. feedback from them. Okay, I see. Um, so like as you mentioned, um, like learning experience designer at JackRabbit um, have to go through all this five process. So they must be have like a lot skills or what what kind of type what type of skills and experience do you think need to have to be qualified as a good a learning experience designer sure I, I you know there are a few things actually and you know some of these are um, hard skills and some of these are more um, kind of almost social social skills but let's start with the hard skills. I actually, um, one of the things that we we don't do that I think is common in other places is we don't we don't have the the people who are designing also developing for the most for the most part. 
Um, so for instance, if we're creating something and we need, we want to use a tool like Articulate, um, a designer would be doing the storyboarding for Articulate, would be you know, working on the scripts, would be um, working on all the elements, but the, actually, the actual building in the tool, uh, more often than not, is a separate person from the designer. It's somebody who's, who's really mostly works in tools like Articulate. I think we are a little unusual in that respect. I think a lot of places it's the same role, but that's, that's not necessarily the case mm. um, for us. So tool use is not, uh, is, not, is not a big part of a job of a designer, um, mm -hmm. but I would say that it's important to understand what's possible with the technologies. I think this is really critical. So as a designer, you, you really need to have a handle on um, what technologies are available, what, what are the technologies we're going to use on this project, or, or if you're further, if you're kind of in the, in the prototyping phase or in the discovery phase and you're doing a little bit of, of brainstorming, you want to you wanna try to understand, all right, based on the needs of my my client, what technologies would we want to select for them if they haven't selected one for themselves? Like, what exactly are their technology needs? Um, so, as a designer, being able to evaluate uh, somebody's needs and translate that into a, a set of functionality that's necessary to get the job done is really critical. And that means being familiar with the tools, being familiar with what they do, being familiar with their their limitations and also the possibilities within them. Um, so that's, that's uh, it's less about using the tools than understanding how they're, they're used. Um, a thing that I think is pretty, pretty critical uh, is, is an understanding of, um, you know, the psychology of learning, learning sciences, um, educational neuroscience, having a background in those things is, is important. Mm. And I think also having a, you know, specifically having a sense of how different, um, different principles from learning sciences can be harnessed to create great learning experiences. Mm -hmm. So not just, you know, knowing the principle, but, you know, I, I understand that, uh, that this thing is important. The research indicates that we should be thinking about or accounting for these things. That means that in my design, I have to specifically do mm -hmm. uh, my work in this way that accounts for those things. So being, um, being aware of uh, and kind of steeped in learning sciences is important. I think just should say here though, um, I do think that it's part of my organization's job to, uh, to try to track all the things that we think are important. Uh, one of the things that I worry about a little bit for designers is that there's so much that we have to keep in our heads all mm -hmm. at once. And so if you're trying to remember all of the research you've ever read about what's important and mm -hmm. <laughs> that's overwhelming and it's not really yeah. realistic um, when you are under a tight deadline. Um, so to have those things written down and kind of really, um, really just kind of baked into your process is uh -huh. an important thing that 
that I think we do here. So even though it's important that somebody knows those things, I also think it's important that we have um, resources in place for our designers to use um, as they're doing the work that reflects that knowledge. So it's not necessarily, it doesn't have to be in each individual's head um, that there are things that organizationally that we're relying on. But anyway, let me get back to your question, which is what people need to know. So they certainly need to have a familiarity with those things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think that there are some processes that are really critical too. So you mentioned um, storyboarding. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, uh, there are some, some skills around design process that I think are, are really important. Uh, you know, writing, storyboarding, uh, asking good questions, um, being able to write a good project brief, being able to um, brainstorm effectively, being able to generate ideas, being able to um, create really rough prototypes with you know, using some sort of basic graphics, um, being able to describe ideas um, in ways that, that people understand. Um, you know, these things are all all really critical design skills as well. Um, another category of skill, honestly, are, are really just people skills. And there, and this mm -hmm. is, I think, I, I think it's one of the more important aspects of the job. Actually, it's um, you know being able to work with subject matter experts effectively, mm -hmm. being able to. Uh, if somebody wants to do something in a in a course who's a an important stakeholder that you think is is not the right thing based on your experience based on the learning sciences based on what's possible in the technology or whatever else being able to have a little bit of a a hard conversation and and make sure that you're able to communicate your ideas and what you think is important in a respectful way but also in a way that mm -hmm where you're really the expert. Um, I think those things are important too. So communications is huge uh, in this job. Um, and then one last thing that I think I would throw in, um, oh, a couple last things. So one would be creativity. I mean, I, it's, and I, you know, it's hard to quantify uh, what that is and it's hard to measure it. It's, I sort of feel like it's, you know, um, uh, it's one of these things that I feel is, is a, is really essential to the work mm -hmm. because I think that uh, we've got to be able to offer not just a, we can't just be taking orders I would say and turning around and producing things although in some jobs that's what the job is but at Jackrabbit that's usually not what our job is usually what our job is is to take uh, a big messy problem that somebody comes to us with and uh, turn around and give recommendations about the best mm -hmm. way forward or how to solve a problem or how to create something really interesting. And very often that, that takes a lot of creativity um, in terms of thinking about uh, what's, you know, the constraints of the, the challenge we have and the recommendations that we, we create. Um, and then the last thing that I would just say is, uh, just curiosity. I just think curiosity is essential for this job. Curiosity. Um, yeah, so kind of to summarize what you mentioned before, you mentioned um, 
for the hard skills, um, learning experience have to have a writing skills and have to be aware of what technology is available and what the features different technologies has and also have to understand the audience needs, evaluate their learning needs. Um, and not only to understand about learning science and neuroscience, but also able to apply in this series do, in their job um, to different e-learning courses and also have to have very good, great people skills and communicate with subject matter expert. And also have to be very creative and curiosity, curious all the time. Yeah, that that was. I wish I could have been that succinct. Thank okay. you for recapping. No problem. <laughs> um, so, um, and uh, for a lot like organization or, um, I think for me personally, I always have a question like, how do um, an organization? How, how do you measure if the training courses? Uh, achieve the learning goals? So this is going to be uh, very context dependent on uh, to the organization. So for us, we work, as I, as I mentioned, we work across lots of different types of organizations. And sometimes what we are really doing is measuring, is measuring learning. Mm -hmm. it, Measuring learning, you know, in a K-12 scenario, there are going to be very specific measures that are already in place and predefined. We would use those measures. If we were in higher education, for instance, and in, like if we were developing something for the Common Core, we would just use the way that Common Core measures learning mm -hmm. as to develop instruments to, to measure learning, right? Mm -hmm. In higher education, this is where it gets really squishy because, um, each individual faculty person is, um, you know, they create their own learning objectives. So what we would do is we would um, really look at those learning objectives, make sure that that we're internalizing them and understanding them and making sure that we are creating um, assessments uh, that, that allow the faculty to understand whether or not those objectives are, are being reached. Mm -hmm. I would say uh, one of the things that that's talked a lot about in corporate learning and development, though, is, is very different. I think there's a big pushback, in fact, on the notion of of um, of just measuring learning that that's not enough uh, for for corporate L and D, because at the end of the day, the thing that's important is not so much whether somebody learned, but whether or not it it enhances their uh, performance. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, it, in, in that environment, in the discovery phase, so like in our process that I mentioned before, uh, we would ask a lot of questions about, you know, what's important to this organization? What is going to define success um, to the organization if this particular intervention um, goes well? How will that be measured? What metrics will you use? What's important to your senior leadership? What's important to the, um, the person who goes through this training? What's important to their supervisor? What, right, mm -hmm. what, how are they going to be evaluated? Mm -hmm. And 
those understanding those measures and metrics is essential. And that's what we would use to, to develop our assessments. Um, we would use the measures that are important to the organization that we're, we're working for. Um, I would just quickly add that um, sometimes in uh, higher education in K-12, you'll have people who, who kind of want to also do something similar. They want to look beyond the learning and think about the transfer for a student into their lives. And in cases like that, it gets very hard to measure those things. I mean, I don't, right? So I worked with my daughter for an hour last night on long division. And um, it, it actually is important to understand um, that deep into your life. So there are certain conceptual elements of long division that are just important to understand. But at 46 years old, I don't do any long division in my life um, that's not on the, <laughs> on the calculator. But there are some things conceptually that I have to understand. So how you're measuring the success of the instruction I got when I was 11, 12 years old on long division when I'm 46, right? So huh. this is kind of where it's paying off. Like I'm 46, somebody gives me a math question. Can I do it in my head? So I, I don't know. I, the assessment question to me, I think is a little more complicated sometimes than um, than we think it is. I think it's very easy to measure certain aspects of the work that we do, and it's really, really hard to mm -hmm. measure other aspects of our do of the work that we do. And I would say that the hardest the hardest things to measure are very often the most important things to measure or the most important outcomes to attain, um, but they're tough to do. This is actually one of the I think one of the more difficult parts of yeah. of design. Yeah. Thank you for answer. Um, and for, I think, another question I have is, um, let's say, like, learning experience designer, they got offers, or, but how do they, how do I evaluate possible employees? How do I know this is someone I want to work with? So you're saying, if you're, if you're looking into a job, how would you evaluate your employer and just whether employer. Or not would be, yeah. Yeah. So, um, the most important thing, I think, honestly, is just to first evaluate what what you want in your career. Mm -hmm. I mean, we talked about it a little bit before, but um, you know, a designer at Jackrabbit does something very specific, uh, or you know, does does things within those five stages. But a designer somewhere else might do something different, right? Maybe most of their job is development. Maybe most of their job is writing. Maybe most of their job is working, is just managing subject matter experts and interviewing mm -hmm. them. Um, all of those things might be called a learning experience designer, right? Mm -hmm. Because a hiring, hiring managers will think of what the job is supposed to be differently from place to place. So I would say step one is to sit down and really reflect deeply on what you want. In your career, what are the things that you most enjoy doing in the design process? Mm -hmm. um, what are the things that you like doing the least in the design process? Um, what are you really good at uh, currently? Um, and then the last thing to consider is, you know, where are the most jobs, right? So, so if you think about what are you most passionate about, what are you best at, where are the most uh, where are the most job opportunities? You want to try to find 
um, the types of jobs that satisfy the, that are sort of in those three categories. And I would say the right employer is the one who is giving you the opportunity to think, to do the things you're most passionate about, you enjoy the most, that you're the best at, that you feel like you can excel in, in working mm -hmm. for them, and that will lead to more good opportunities beyond that opportunity. So you want to, mm -hmm. you want to try to choose work that you feel there's a, a future in beyond the one job even. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. So like knowing what I really want to do, what I'm really passionate about is the biggest important thing. Yeah, yeah, de definitely. It's it's critical uh, because, you know, very often the first job that you have and what you do in that job mm -hmm. really kind of defines what your next job is and what the job is after that. And so, you know, trying to get into something that, that you're really excited about and that you feel like you will be excited about through your career um, is, is important. And, you know, it should evolve. Like you should certainly, you know, it's certainly possible to evolve what you do, but I think that um, starting with the stuff that you're most excited about and making sure mm -hmm. that an employer offers you the opportunity to do that yeah. is, a, is a good place to start. Yeah, sure. Um, as I mentioned, I, I share a, a little bit about my experience and my work. Um, so how do you think, how do I make myself stand out in the interview or job marketing to find my first learning experience designer position? Yeah, so a couple things that I think are really important, and I, some of these things are definitely not unique to learning experience design there. I think they're just kind of good general advice for, for job seeking. Mm -hmm. um, I think having a portfolio is really important. And I think being able to use your portfolio in an interview or pointing to it in a, in a cover letter and in your resume is, is critical. I think in your resume, if you can find a way to tell a story um, about yourself and your experience and how how it sort of leads into the job that you want to get, that's important. And, and story is a weird word. I guess what I mean to say is you want to show how your past is preparing you for the job that you're trying to get. Um, it should be really obvious to the person who's reading your resume. Um, oh yeah, I can understand. Like this is a clear path to this, to this job and this, this makes sense for me. Um, the other thing that I, I, I would suggest on a on your resume is you can kind of highlight things that that you've done, but you might want to. Um, I would recommend actually talking about problems that you've solved. So instead of listing just listing skills, how did you actually apply those skills meaningfully? Mm -hmm. um, uh, and then. And then I would say other things, just kind of standard advice, write a cover letter, definitely write a you know, cover letter for each, each job you apply to that's, that's tailored to that job. And then um, uh, you also want to send a thank you note. Uh-huh, after the interview. After the interview, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so 
what is important for me to learn and how to keep up with the updated learning development tools, ideas, and series? Sure. So um, I, there is, I, for me at this point, um, what I will do is I just kind of have developed a community on LinkedIn and I will, uh, I will read things that, that people post and say are important uh, or important to them or useful to them. This mm -hmm. is generally how I tend to get my kind of my recommendations. Um, and that does, I do a massive amount of reading. Um, the other thing that I like to do is look at examples. So, you know, go to companies that you're interested in and see if you can find samples of their work. Think about how they put it together. What tools did they use? Um, what did they think about? And try to sort of deconstruct it. And if you're really interested, hey, you can always call somebody up and ask them some questions about, about what they did. You know, I think, you know, whatever books that you can get your hands on are great, and that's a great way to learn, but there are lots of other ways to learn, too. And I think connecting with people directly, getting involved in, you know, any kind of local organizations um, or, you know, meetups uh, where there are people doing this work is is critical, just talking to people about what they do. Mm -hmm. um, I I have found since graduate school those types of learning experiences, getting people's recommendations, talking to people about their work, are the ones, and looking at examples of work, are the, are the more valuable ones to me than just um, getting a stack of books and, mm. and just reading, reading, reading without having those, those additional conversations and talking about how things are applied. Mm -hmm. um, and for your community you build on the linking, is it open to public? Oh, well, I, this is mostly just looking at my feed and just oh. seeing what people are recommending or asking questions and getting uh -huh. responses from people, um, you know, joining okay. LinkedIn groups and, and looking at things that are posted in those groups. So, yeah, it's mostly public. Okay. So, um, so you know... Um, since the COVID-19, things a lot changed. And I've seen a lot of positions online. There are more and more positions, uh, learning experience designers in higher ed education, different universities. So how has the pandemic changed the job marketing? What do you think? Well, um, I think that uh, what, what I'm seeing that's happening is that um, you know, a lot of organizations are really hesitant to hire full-time now. It seems like there's a lot more, um, there are more contract positions available now than full-time mm -hmm. positions. Um, and I would say that the nature of some of the jobs um, has changed also. So, you know, prior to all of this, people had their long-term plans and they had their you know, they, they had a, a sense of what they needed to create over the next couple of years, maybe, and they were kind of working on a strategy. And then when COVID happened, that kind of all went out the window or it got put on hold. And now people generally, I think a lot of people in our industry are really just in a situation where they are doing everything they can to help their employer or their clients, um, 
just be pre as prepared as possible and react as well as possible to this current situation. So mm -hmm. um, it's possible that an employer, a potential employer is going to be really interested in, we have this, this thing now that we haven't fully figured out how to do. Um, it's not something maybe that we've done before. Like we've always done this thing face to face and now it has to be done yeah. online. Um, that you might be involved or somebody, you know, in a new position might be involved in helping to solve, to solve a problem like that. Um, mm -hmm. One that wasn't based on strategy, but is based on more of a kind of immediate need. Um, that's not universally true, but I would say just from what I've, I've seen in working with, you know, not all, but, but many of our clients, People are coming in with questions around, you know, we thought we were going to have two years to go online with these modules and now they need to have, they need to be done in two months. Uh, um, so I, I, I think that being prepared to get into a situation where things may be moving very quickly, where uh, there could be a lot of change in a very short amount of time. I think is um, going to be much more common now than it was six, seven months ago. Mm. Okay. So what do you think, what would I expect to do in my next position? Well, um, my guess is probably uh, most, most positions now, just based on what I just kind of described, it's going to be around really rapidly assessing the needs, really rapidly, you know, trying to figure out whatever it is that we're designing, how do we design it as, as quickly as possible to get a good enough version out right now? And then how do we make a plan for the future once that good enough version is out in the world? How do we make a plan for the future that allows us to create a version two and then a version three and to maybe improve it over time? Okay. Um, but I think probably most people's next job is going to be very fast paced. It's um, going to be, um, uh, probably publishing, you know, uh, or, you know, by publishing, I mean, whatever, whatever it is that you're putting out into the world is getting out there, uh, a little bit more quickly than it normally would and it may not be quite as uh, polished as what mm -hmm. would have gone out before um that's not going to be universally true but it's going to depend on the needs of the organization so mm -hmm. um fast-paced agile i think is what your next job most people's next jobs are likely to look like at least for mm -hmm. a little while Mm -hmm. So say, like, if I cannot find a, um, a position in a short term, how do I wisely use this time to prepare myself to land my first position? Well, so I would say if, you know, certainly keep, keep looking for positions and, you mm -hmm. know, um, You know, if it's possible to look for contract um, work, look for contract work um, as well as full-time work if it's not possible. 
what I would suggest, because um, in your situation, coming out of school, you want to be able to show as many examples as possible. You want to talk about different kinds of work that you've done. I would imagine in your portfolio, you have lots of great work that you've done in your courses. One thing that you might consider doing is choosing, um, is finding an organization that maybe you could help uh, for free. That is maybe a nonprofit organization that's doing something um, to help people now, you know, mm -hmm. maybe they're, maybe they're training, retraining people for, for jobs, um, mm -hmm. in this, in this terrible economy, or maybe they're, um, teaching people about how to manage their finances when times get really tough, or maybe right. So there, there's a lot of need out in the world right now. So if you can take mm -hmm. a little bit of your time to help an organization that's doing something great in the world, mm -hmm. um, that will allow you to get some more experience that allow you to, to help somebody out um, and that will allow you to put something different into your portfolio that you can really talk about. You know, if you'd really want to ask an organization, you know, I, I'd really love to be able to, um, to, to use this when I, when I'm talking to potential employers, I'd love to be able to talk about what I'm doing here. So you'd want to make sure that you could really highlight your, you know, that experience um, as yeah. well. So, you know, if, if you can't find the full-time work that you want to find now, you know, you're, you've been through a, an amazing program at a terrific university, um, you know, putting that, putting that to work to help people is always a, a great thing yeah. to do under, under any circumstances and the world really needs it now in particular. True. Yeah, um, that's really great advice. And these are all the questions I have today for you. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. Uh, this has really been fun. I'm really glad that uh, we could do this today. Yeah. So that's the end. Yeah, that's the end. I'm going okay. to stop recording here. Yeah. And actually, um, I... Thanks for listening to our show. I want to thank Weiju again for joining us. My name is Jason Gorman. I'm the host of this podcast and the founder of Jackrabbit Learning Experience. If you have an idea for an episode, want to give feedback or anything else, send me a note at imperfectmap at jackrabbitlx.com. So until our next episode, stay safe and keep inventing.